You're listening to Comedy Central. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Monday, the 9th of November, and the first day of the rest of our lives. It's the beginning of a new week and a new world. The sun is shining, the birds are singing. Why? Look at this. <laughs> What's that? What? You, you go back to where you came from, you racist. Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, the presidential race is over. The presidential race is not over. And our guests today are Anthony Anderson and the legendary Ruby Bridges. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Let's get straight into the big news over the weekend. Yeah, I finally learned how to dunk. Boom! Turns out you just need to make the net a little closer to the ground. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Oh, and also, this happened. CNN projects Joseph R. Biden Jr. is elected the 46th president of the United States. There was jubilance as people flooded the streets today, celebrating from the White House to the West Coast. Celebrations in the streets in New York City, the tri-state, and across the world. On the streets of the largest cities, today, a party. In President Trump's hometown, New York City, Biden supporters shouted out their windows. There were bands and champagne, (laughs) costumes and tears. An impromptu dance party broke out. We had Sweet Caroline sing-alongs and Na 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 Goodbye sing-alongs. Oh yeah, what a day, what a day, what a day now. People were out in the streets, dancing, they were partying, people were singing Sweet Caroline, which was genius, because any celebration that's singing Sweet Caroline isn't gonna get broken up by the cops. For real though, people, this was an amazing weekend. It was such a festive atmosphere. The Saturday was amazing, everyone was so happy. Even coronavirus was like, man, you guys have fun, I'm taking the day off. (laughs) Nah, I'm kidding, I'm joining in, yum, 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 yum. But yes, that's right, people, this weekend, Joseph Rihanna Biden was declared the 46th president of the United States. And I know it was tough waiting four days to get the final results, but it's actually cool that it happened on a Saturday morning, right? Because think about it, normally it happens on like a Tuesday, Wednesday, you just gotta be at home, but now people could soak it in. They heard the news while they were out with their families or going out for a walk or getting coffee. I mean, one guy even found out on the golf course. President Trump was not at the White House when he learned he'd lost it. He was golfing in Virginia, driven home past his critics cheering. Oh, no matter what you think about Trump, I think we can all agree that that is a terrible way to find out that you're fired. I mean, it's bad enough for your boss to tell you to clean out your desk, but can you imagine if on the way to your desk, the entire office was lining the hallways to boo you? Yeah, get out of here, Jeffrey! Accounting is better without you, you bitch! And you know, I think the worst part for Trump was having to see Melania in that crowd. Boo, you suck, go away forever, don't come back. This is also really tough for the Secret Service, guys because they're trained to guard the president physically, but not emotionally. I mean, so they can't help him at all. 
I can protect you from a bullet, Mr. President, but only you can protect your feelings. Oh, also, uh, who's surprised that he learned that he lost while he was golfing? Donald Trump is always golfing. That was the most likely option. If they said President Trump learned this while he was volunteering at an orphanage, then I'd be shocked. What does blow my mind is that Trump could keep playing golf after he got this news. You know, I actually wonder if his golf partner found out first and then used it against him, just as he was taking his swing. Biden won! You know, a part of me actually wishes that Trump didn't hear about the election until he got home, because then he would have been driving past that crowd going, look, that wasn't my best game of golf, but you guys don't need to boo. But for once, the big political news was not about Donald Trump. So as he disappeared into the White House bunker, it was time for the people who were kicking him out to come forward and take their bows. I'll work as hard for those who didn't vote for me as those who did. Let this grim era of demonization in America begin to end here and now. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but after four years of having to listen to Trump, a normal presidential speech was, was almost weird. I was listening to the speech like, wait, so we're not blaming anything on Hillary? Nothing? And let's be honest, at this point, I bet even Trump's people want Biden to lower the temperature. I mean, mainly because half of them are running a fever from COVID. Still though, I'm sure that they were happy to hear Biden say, let the grim demonization begin to end. Although I do like how Biden didn't say, let's end it. He said, let's begin to end it. You know, like it'll be too dangerous to just stop demonizing all at once. We've got to stop being mean to each other in this country next week. But for now, what the f- is going on with Mitch McConnell's hands? You see that shit? Looks like he's got baloney fingers. But the truth is, Biden was calling for healing and he was promising to work just as hard for the people who didn't vote for him as the people who did. And after these last few years, man, I, I think that's a nice sentiment. Although the truth is the country's so divided, I don't know how that would work in real life. You know, is Biden really gonna try and cater to both because everyone is so far apart? I'm gonna listen to Dr. Fauci and then of course I will behead him. And to reach across the aisle, I will find my son Hunter and lock him up. Am I a good president or what? The point is people, it's genuinely gonna take some time getting used to speeches that sound like speeches. But otherwise, for Biden and Harris, it was a flawlessly choreographed evening. Well, except for one moment, when a confetti cannon went off, and based on the candidates' reactions, it doesn't look like they were expecting it. Jeez, that was terrifying. I don't know about you, but when I saw that, the black part of me in the movie theater came out. I was like, get out of there, Joe! They're trying to take you out! Kamala, get down! This is actually something I think we need to address as a planet, people. We have to stop celebrating with things that sound like gunfire. Fireworks, confetti cannons, popping champagne corks, all of it. Half the time I'm like, whoa, did something good happen? Or is shit going down? I don't need to be startled like this anymore, people. And neither does Joe Biden. Why are you blowing up things next to Joe Biden? At this point, Joe Biden's campaign should be wrapping him in bubble wrap and storing him in the attic until inauguration day. But with the 2020 campaign now over, we can see that in many ways, this election was America returning back to normal. You know, America had a black president, then it had the opposite of a black president. And now it's back to a regular white dude. 
you know, back to normal. Oh, except for one major advancement. For the first time in its history, America has elected a woman as vice president, a black woman who's also an Indian woman. And no matter what people think about Kamala Harris, her election is a major step forward in America's quest for gender and racial equality. For more on this historic moment in time, we turn to our very own Dulce Sloan. Dulce, a black woman is in the White House. A black woman is in the White House. Ah, this is such great news, Trevor, especially after we've had 200 years of old white ass vice presidents. They even look the same. You had your knockoff Wolverines. You had your creepy dudes who would have driven white vans if they'd have been around back then. And in more recent years, you had guys that looked like the football coaches of the losing team. I mean, look at this guy. He looks like a Photoshop of all the VPs put together. <laughs> Was he even real? Uh, Dulce, that's Joe Biden. He was Obama's vice president. Really? That must be an old picture. He looks like a baby. And speaking of which, having Kamala as his veep is great for Joe Biden too. She's smart, she's experienced, and as long as she's there, Republicans are never gonna impeach him. He could straight up sell Florida and the GOP would be like, still can't risk that black lady being president. Florida was gonna sink anyway. Honestly, don't say, I'm still amazed that Joe Biden picked Kamala after that debate where she totally blew him up. No, I understand that, Trevor. Sometimes you get roasted so hard, you ain't even mad. You're just like, ooh, anyone who's got a punch like that, I need on my side. Plus, Kamala brings balance to the administration. She's not Biden. She's in a more progressive lane, and she's able to drive down that lane without special glasses. You know what actually struck me, Dulce? is that part of the speech where she said that her being vice president is a powerful symbol for little girls in America because they see themselves represented at the White House. Well, yeah, but people get too caught up in representation and symbolism sometimes, Trevor, and that's not enough. We don't just need a Kamala. We need policies that ensure a girl who looks like Kamala but also lives in the hood also has a path to success. Just because I see someone who looks like me in a Hallmark movie doesn't mean I get a boyfriend for Christmas. Yeah, you know what? That's a great point, Dulce. There's still a lot of work to be done. There is, and it's not gonna be easy. I mean, just dealing with the transition alone is gonna be tough for America. Because she's not replacing a white guy, she's replacing Mike Pence. This is like when your Spotify shuffle goes from Amy Grant to Cardi B. If you're not prepared for that, you're gonna swerve off the road. But in the meantime, let's just enjoy the moment and celebrate the history. Now, if you'll excuse me, they started line dancing outside my apartment again, and I need to go join. Thank you so much for that, Dulce. All right, when we come back, President Trump has graciously conceded the election to Joe Biden with dignity and class. Now, I'm just shitting you. He went batshit crazy. We'll tell you what he did after the break. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. It has now been three days since Joe Biden was declared the winner of the 2020 presidential election. But even though many people are cheering, for some Americans, it's still gonna take a little longer for this result to sink in. That of President Trump remaining defiant and not conceding this race. Across the country, pro-Trump protesters echoing the president's baseless claims that the election was stolen. He would have to do a lot 
to convince Republicans uh, that this is anything except a left-wing power grab financed by people like George Soros. We Very had different. computer glitches that changed Republican votes to Democrat votes. You look in Pennsylvania, dead people voted in Pennsylvania. There's a software called Hammer and Scorecard used to flip votes from Trump to Biden. Is that indeed true? We've had hundreds of thousands of ballots mysteriously appear for uh, solely for Mr. Biden. This is coup 5.0, Lou. Ooh, coup 5.0? Is that the coup with the front-facing camera? Oh, that's dope. I want to get one of those. Are these guys kidding us? This was so batshit. I caught coronavirus just listening to it. You're telling me that the crafty Democrats have used their satanic powers to steal the election, but for some reason they didn't steal the Senate? Because what? They were using the free version of satanic powers and taking the Senate as a premium feature? Like, when you think about this, America's whole system is rigged to help Donald Trump. The man lost by 4 million popular votes and still had a chance to win the Electoral College. How does that make sense? The only person Donald Trump should be mad at is himself because he started on third base and still somehow lost the game. And look, I think everyone agrees that if there really is voter fraud, we wouldn't want that to decide the election. But guys, Donald Trump always says that there's voter fraud. In 2016, he said it about every single primary that he lost, right? And then he even said it was the reason that he lost the popular vote. It's never been true. And this is not just me saying it. The courts have also been like, yeah, Donald, we're not buying it, buddy. The president's personal attorneys have vowed to continue filing lawsuits, even though they don't appear to have any clear path to 270 electoral votes. And they've already faced a string of court losses so far, as judges keep saying that these allegations are just not supported by evidence. If you get to the court of law, you got to provide evidence. And the case that they brought uh, in Michigan uh, was summarily rejected by the judge. He said, you don't have any evidence. It was based on uh, a posted note. I'm not kidding. On a posted note uh, with an unsigned note saying, they're telling me to change the addresses. Yeah. That's the difference between Fox News and courts. In courts, they ask follow-up questions. Because you can go on Fox News all day screaming, Joe Biden stole the election! But in court, they ask, uh, how? Uh, I got a, I got a posted note? Honestly, I wonder, does Trump have even one lawyer who knows the law? Because it feels like all the people he knows, he only knows them because they specialize in the criminal code that they've been charged with. I need someone who knows fraud. Jimmy, you did time for that thing, right? You're on the case, buddy. Just do what they did to you. Because seriously, a post-it note? Even if you want to get on Judge Judy for a property damage case, you got to have some photos of a dented hood, something. They're not letting you on TV if you just show up with a post-it note that says, my Honda got all effed up. I mean, come on, guys. If all you got is bullshit evidence, at least make it exciting. Bullshit evidence. Don't come at me with a, oh, I got a post-it note. Be like, well, if Joe Biden isn't stealing the election, then why do I have this used condom in my pocket? I rest my case. Nobody should be surprised that these guys are losing these cases with this kind of evidence. Because let me tell you something now. If you were in an episode of Law & Order with a post-it note, that would be the shortest episode ever. I submitted to evidence this post-it. The case is dismissed. So with the court skeptical, the campaign had to take their argument directly to the people. And honestly, it might have gone better if they'd chosen a slightly different venue. The Trump campaign held a press conference to challenge the election results at Four Seasons Total Landscaping in Northeast Philadelphia. 
Some people suspect the campaign intended to reserve the Four Seasons Hotel, but accidentally booked this landscaping company, located between a crematorium and a sex toy store. Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, was speaking when he was told the election had been called for Biden. Who was it called by? All the, oh my goodness, all the networks. Wow. All the networks. <laughs> no, guys, come on. How is this real? Like, how is this real? How are you going to hold a press conference at a landscaping warehouse between a crematorium and a sex toy store? I mean, as a general rule, if you're ever out declaring war, you don't want to do it 20 feet from a dildo. Although, I mean, in some ways it makes sense. Because if you ask people what's halfway between a pawn shop and a crematorium, they'd probably say Rudy Giuliani. And by the way, I have a feeling that Rudy Giuliani uses that sarcastic response a lot. I'm sorry, who wants me to put my clothes back on? Everyone, oh wow, everyone, every single person in this Denny's wants me to put my clothes back on. Now, the campaign says that they did mean to have the press conference at this venue. And I hope that that's true. But it really just sounds like Trump's legal team accidentally booked the wrong Four Seasons. And if that is the case, that would be so sad. I mean, do you know how incompetent you gotta be to get catfished by a landscaping business? Also, I love how the real Four Seasons tweeted that it has nothing to do with them because even hotel chains are trying to get away from Trump now. I bet Motel 6 was like, get out of here, you scumbags, you're grossing out our bed bugs. I also feel really bad for anyone who was inside that sex shop during that press conference. Because imagine being in a sex shop and then seeing every camera in America pulling up next door. Now you gotta hide out in a dildo store for six hours. And that's a long time to pretend to be browsing. Yeah, so is this the edible underwear? Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's, is it gluten-free? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, they're still outside. Okay, do you, do you do samples? So even though most of the world has accepted that Joe Biden will be the next president, Donald Trump is clearly planning to drag out this fight for weeks. And his people are behind him all the way. Well, almost all the way. Despite no proof to support allegations of widespread fraud or illegal voting in the United States, some of his top Republican allies backing the president's refusal to concede. At this point, we do not know who has prevailed in the election. Uh, the media uh, is desperately trying to get everyone to, to coronate Joe Biden as the next president, but that's not how it works. Okay. Trump has not lost. Do not concede, Mr. President. Fight hard. President Trump is one. 100% within his rights to look into allegations of ir irregularities and weigh his legal options. Privately, people believe that it is time for the president to concede the election. It is true that Jared Kushner has approached the president about conceding the election. And then my colleague reported that the first lady has also talked to the president about accepting the fact that he has lost this election to Joe Biden. Basically, they're all just waiting on the president to come to terms with what's happening. Yes. Melania and Jared are reportedly trying to convince Donald Trump to concede. Although Melania is definitely working her own hustle at the same time. Donald, you have to concede. Pennsylvania says Biden won, and they also said our marriage isn't valid. I know, it's their decision, the people have spoken. And as for Jared schooling Trump, imagine being told to grow up by a guy who's never gone through puberty. That's gotta hurt. It's also not great for Jared either because this is just yet another impossible job Trump has given him to do. All right, Jared, it's your job to convince me to concede the election. 
Okay, sir, it's time to concede. Eat shit, you creepy mannequin. Catch me if you can. Ah! So, maybe Trump will decide to concede eventually. Or hey, maybe he won't. It actually doesn't really matter either way because it's not really his decision to make. Joe Biden is going to become president on January 20th, and Trump's opinion about that counts for exactly one vote. Same as any other vote in America. And I know it's hard to believe, but after all this time, it looks like reality has finally caught up with Donald Trump. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, I'll be talking to the civil rights legend, Ruby Bridges, about what it was like to be the first black student at an all-white school. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. So earlier today, I had the honor of speaking with the legendary civil rights icon, Ruby Bridges. Ruby made history 60 years ago when at age six, she was the first black student to integrate in an all-white elementary school in New Orleans. We talked about her life story and her new book, inspired by young activists who are continuing the fight for racial justice. Ruby Bridges, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's truly an honor to have you because you are one of those people who doesn't seem real in life. You started your life as, as, as a young black girl in a place where black children could not go to a school that had white kids in it. And, and, and you talk about this in, in, in your new book, book, which is really, really beautiful and enlightening. But what was it like being a child in a school where white teachers didn't want to teach you, white students didn't want to be with you, white parents didn't want you in the school, and yet a white teacher was the one you talk about so affectionately who came in and said, I'm going to teach Ruby Bridges everything she needs to learn in the school and deserves to learn in the school. Being six years old, I had no idea what to expect. Um, the only thing my parents tried to tell me is, Ruby, you're gonna go to a new school and you better behave. And that was really the extent of preparing me for what I saw. But living in New Orleans, I was accustomed to Mardi Gras, you know, and they were screaming and throwing things and waving their hands. And that's what happens at Mardi Gras. So, you know, what really protected me was the innocence of a child. I really didn't understand what was happening until I got into the school and months into it, you know, finally, you know, was able to connect with some students that were being hidden from me. Right. And a little boy said, I can't play with you. My mom said not to play with you because you're a nigger. And so I, I started thinking even right then that, well, if my mom said, hey, don't play with him because he's Asian, he's Indian, he's mixed race, he's gay, he's, you know, white, I would not have played with him. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, he was explaining to me why he couldn't play with me. So he did hurt my feelings, but I was never angry with him. And the fact that every day the person that greeted me was a white woman who looked exactly like the crowd outside. I came to realize that she looked like them, mm -hmm. but she wasn't like them. Right. She showed me her heart. She made school fun. I loved being at school. I knew that if I just got out of the car, past the crowd and inside of my classroom, I was gonna have a great day. And so really because of her showing me her heart, I knew that I couldn't judge her the same way as the people outside. So I always tell people that the lesson she really taught me was that there's absolutely no way you can look at a person and judge them by the color of their skin. She taught me the lesson that Dr. King tried to teach all of us. Right. That you have to judge a person by the content of their character. 
So that was the most important lesson that I took away. And I wanted to dedicate myself to trying to explain that to kids so that they know that racism has no place in their hearts and in their minds. And you know, Trevor, if we're gonna get past our racial differences, it's going to come from our kids. It really does seem like America needs that more than ever, especially right now. You know, America is more divided than in some ways it's ever been in the modern era. It feels like there is no end to that despite the, the election ending. Why did you choose to release the book now? What are you hoping to achieve? I saw exactly what everybody else saw. Someone being murdered right in, right before our very eyes. And it made me think about the kids that I've been speaking to for the last 25 years, trying to convince them that we need to come together, that racism doesn't have a place. And yet this was happening. And I felt like in a sense, I'd let them down Maybe I led them down the wrong path because look what's happening. And I felt like I needed to be able to talk with them because they're probably sitting there thinking, well, this isn't what Ruby has been saying to us. And so I have some very good people, you know, that are very close to me. And I spoke to them about it and they said, why don't you write a letter to them? And that's actually what this book is. It is my letter to young people. The young people that I saw, you know, take to the streets mm. to let them know that what I saw, um, what I witnessed was the exact same behavior that I saw when I was six back in 1960 during the civil rights movement. But, you know, we went through that. We had to go through that. And it brought us to where we are today. And that now it was their turn, that they need not be afraid that it is growing pains. And I do believe that if they come together, because that past, the past 60 years brought us together. Right, right. You know, we were able to be in school together. We play sports together. We enjoy the same music. It brought us together. Not as close as we need to be, but it's on them now to pick up the torch, to carry it, and to continue to do what they do to move this country forward. And so that's what this book is about. When you look at the state of schooling today in America, you know, the legacy of segregation lives on, although it's not officially mandated by the state. What do you think needs to be done to try and create a system in America where schooling is equal and kids are able to interact with each other in these environments where they should meet with each other before they become full-blown adults and then meet their first person of color or white person for the first time? The very school that I integrated, school that we're talking about, you know, it was hit by Hurricane Katrina and then restored. It's a $30 million school in an inner city neighborhood. I fought very, very hard to restore that school. I wanted it to be an integrated school. Uh It is segregated. It is all black. It totally goes against my work and what I believe in. I was told that, you know, policies that we can't choose kids by race and put them in a school. In other words, we can't integrate a school. And I looked at them and I said, are you talking to me? (laughs) You're telling me that you can't integrate a school? Yes, you can. I did it. And we can do it again. But we, we have to want that. We have to understand how important that is for us to move this country forward. And so we have to, if they don't know how to do it, then go back to 1960. Pick up the rule book, you know, look at it and figure it out. But we need to do it again. 
Ruby Bridges, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And uh, thank you for an amazing book that, that um, is truly powerful in, in so many different ways. Thank you. I'll make sure I'll, I'll send you a copy. Thank you very much. Don't forget, Ruby's inspiring book, This Is Your Time, is available now. All right, stick around, because up next, I'll be talking to the star of Blackish, Anthony Anderson. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. So earlier today, I spoke with actor and comedian Anthony Anderson. We talked about what it's like filming his show Blackish and why he put his colonoscopy on Instagram. Anthony Anderson, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Glad to be here via Skype. This beard, man, this is beautiful. Thank you. It's luscious. It, lo- it looks like you've got my afro, but on your chin. You know what's crazy? Um, I was just going for a different look uh, uh, at the end of last season anyway. Right. So I planned on growing my beard and not shaving it when I came back to work. And then COVID happened, and uh, I, it, I just, it just became a COVID beard. Right. I trimmed it down just a little bit because it, it, it was a little crazy. But I, I just wanted to see how full it could get. And then, uh, so, here, so here we are. You know, I, I know as Anthony Anderson, you've been that guy that we've seen doing so many things for so long. You've been one of the funniest people in movies. You've been the funniest, you know, people that we see in like, uh, like, a, like a TV show popping up. But now, like Blackish is your legacy. What do you think the show means to you now? Yeah, uh, it means everything to me, really, Trevor. Uh, just to be able to tell these stories that we, we all have lived and are living uh, within our community and society, man. And, right. and so to have people just walk up to me on the street from all walks of life, all ethnic backgrounds and say, when I see your family on uh, the screen, I see my family. Uh, and and, and that, means, uh, that means a lot. People might be happy about Biden. Uh, people might be happy about Kamala, but not many people can say that, yeah, well, you know, uh, Kamala and I went to the same... Um, university, you know, we went to the same HBCU. So, I mean, you guys have, you guys have a thing right now. Cause I mean, not many people can be like, yeah, well, you know, my vice president and I went to the same, are you going to come up with stories about how you guys were best friends now? Is this going to be a thing? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 no, but I'm going to create stories and uh, uh, in, in, in friendships with her now. I mean, we are friendly. I, I supported her when she was you know, when she was running for president. Right. Um, and, and not only did we both attend, uh, you know, Howard University, we both are members of the Divine Nine. Uh, she's a member of, you know, Alpha Kappa Alpha. I'm a member of Omega Psi Phi. So, uh, yeah, so we, we, we share uh, a great deal uh, uh, with respect to that. To, to see your name on the Hollywood Walk of Fame like oh. a few blocks away from your high school. Do you find excuses to be like, yeah, I think this is the quickest way. We gotta, we gotta drive past my star real quick. We gotta... I'm literally right there at the corner of Highland and Hollywood, across wow. the street from Hollywood High, where I graduated uh, and where I walked those streets many a day and many a night as a youth, never thinking in a thousand years would I be immortalized on the Walk of Fame. Wow. Uh, so, you know, that, that's how full circle... Uh, of a moment that that was for me. But yeah, I, I find myself driving down uh, Hollywood and Highland uh, quite often, hopefully getting stopped at the red light on the corner so I could scream out the uh, window, hey, hey, get off my, get off my star, sucker. <laughs> before I let you go, Anthony. Um... But, but before we go, man, I'd like, I'd like to show that, right? I, 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 you know, we bring up the Hollywood uh, Walk of Fame. My friends, George Lopez and Cedric the Entertainer, 
got me this uh, Walk of Fame ring. Is that like a Super Bowl ring for the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Yeah, this is our brotherhood, man. George has one, Seth has one, and I have one. I love that. And hopefully, you know, the rest of our crew, Don Cheeto, D.L. Hughley, Chris Spitzer, they'll they'll get there soon, too. But uh, this is my brotherhood. So every time I talk about that, I got to show that ring. And, and, and give respect to, to my friends. I love that, man, I love that. Talking about friends and family, you celebrated your 50th birthday. I, when I saw this, I was like, Anthony Anderson is not 50. I was like, yeah. when, when was he 45? When was he 43? How are you 50? And on, and on top of that, like, you seem to have an amazing party even though it was socially distant. You look like you just made the best of the day. Uh, you know, we had a drive-by, 50th celebration at our home. Um, yeah, I may not look 50, you know, black don't crack, but it chips a little bit and it rocks from the inside out, uh, Trevor. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna tell you that right now. But uh, we, we had a great time. We, we had a great time. Oh, and, and while we're on it, since I'm 50, can we talk about me getting a colonoscopy uh, a few weeks ago? No, you did, yeah, but you didn't just get a colonoscopy. You did it on Instagram. I follow you on Instagram because I want to see you going to like a beach on an exotic island, and then you took me to a colonoscopy, and Anthony Anderson. Why would you do that? <laughs> well, you know what? I did that because we, as, as black men and men of color, uh, you know, we, we need to do that. And, I, and so I wanted to take my followers on a journey. Um, we, we've lost uh, some great people recently. Right. Uh, uh, right. be, be, because of colon cancer, prostate cancer, and, and all of that. So I, I wanted to take the stigma off of that and have a little fun with it and show them that it's not a big deal to go and uh, get this checked out because it's better to get it checked out and, and know for a fact right. than just to live in mystery and hope that, you know, it doesn't catch you or you it doesn't pull your number. Right. Uh, so hopefully I did that. And I just wanted to share that experience you know, to let men know that it's okay, it's painless, you know, they give you that propofol, you, it's the best <laughs> nap of your life, uh, and you wake up and you're all the better. Yeah, man, I appreciate you. Uh, I, I, I loved why you did it, and I'm glad that you don't have to do colonoscopies more than once a year. So uh, I know you're working right now, so thank you for taking the time to join us. Anthony Anderson, great having you on the show again. Trevor Noah, always a pleasure, brother. Always a pleasure. I will always answer the call for you, my friend. Thank you, my dude. Be sure to check out Anthony Anderson on Blackish, which airs Wednesdays at 9.30 p.m. on ABC. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, Thanksgiving is coming up, but in the corona era, homebound seniors are at greater risk than ever before, especially those who don't know where their next meal is gonna come from. But Meals on Wheels is out there in the streets delivering meals to elderly Americans every single day to keep them safe and nourished in communities across the country. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and please check under your bed and couch for missing Trump ballots. I mean, they gotta be somewhere, people. What other explanation could there be? The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 